Thank you for joining Crossway on the With God Pod. Whether you're in your car, in your home, on a walk, or with someone, we're excited that you've joined us for a deeper dive into Scripture, its tough sayings, and the people God used throughout. This year, we're going through the whole Bible, tracing the With God journey through the Bible, through the year, through us. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. All right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am Chris Birch. And I'm Anson Tebow. And we have been going through the Bible uh, this year here in 2023 here at Crossway. And uh, as we kind of move along, we're running into different characters and we're also running into some really interesting things. Yeah. Uh, I've got a few extra questions that I don't think we were able to answer yeah. in uh, Sunday's sermon. So I'm going to read something here, okay? And then I want you, Anson, to see if you can help me figure this out. All right. Yes. All right. So from Genesis 6, 19 through 20, it says, And every living thing of all flesh, you should bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kind, and of the animals according to their kind, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind, Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. All right. Then we get this. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. And that's from Genesis 7-2. So that's a chapter later. Okay. So how many animals were on the boat? Because it looks like in the scripture here, we've got two conflicting numbers. Yeah. No, this is a super interesting thing is as you're reading this, you read them right one after another um, and, and you see, hey, why is it telling me to bring seven pairs of these things and two pairs of these things? And, and in six, it's only saying being two of every one. Um, but then we see as you read further um, that th- there is an explanation. Now, some people have said, hey, this is just different accounts, that these are two different accounts. They contradict each other a little bit. But if you do read further and, and you continue on in the story, you see why God was giving this instruction. It was almost as if chapter seven was just giving more detail than you find in chapter six, because if you look the first thing Noah does when the water subside and the boat's resting and he gets on land is he builds an altar and sacrifices to the Lord. Right. Like he built it in you need animals. And like we talked about last time, like imagine being that animal that lasted the entire flood. Yep. And then it's like, yo, you're the first sacrifice. I made it. No, you didn't. <laughs> but then you also see that before the water subside, they sent birds out. They sent ravens and doves to go see if the land was there to see and make sure that they were going the right way, that ravens fly directly towards land and then doves don't fly very far. So they were really good resources to have. So if God only sent two clean animals, then there would no longer be those animals. Or if God only sent two of those birds, there would no longer be those birds because they would have used them to right. either sacrificing them or sending sending them out. So it's honestly, it's just a further clarification of saying, yes, two of every animal, but also more and seven of every clean animal and seven pairs of every bird so that you can use them for your resources and things like that. So God was honestly just giving a little bit more detail and giving a little bit more um, insight into what Noah may need. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, So how far did the flood go? How big was this thing? Did it cover the whole earth or was it more of kind of a 
geographical local flood. Yeah, man, this is a really this is a really challenging one uh, to wrap our minds around and also get a a clear answer. Um, because Genesis six seventeen says, "For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life under heaven, everything that is on earth shall die." So we know that, that we know that the the flood killed all that had life and breath other than what was on the boat. Right. That's what the Bible says. That's what Scripture says, and that's what we're able to see. But then we also see that the word that is translated for earth in the flood narrative is also and can also be commonly translated as land or country. So there is a possible exaggeration of the breadth of this flood, of actually how far it went. Um, But then it brings up the question, how did it kill everybody if it only was in a local local spot but then we also are left with a question i mean we're early on in in human history here adam and eve are just five chapters earlier now granted there's probably a lot of years in between there but still so we're still wondering hey how far had humans actually traveled like Mm -hmm. how far had life actually traveled and and we don't know that so then it still leaves us with with more questions and in chapter 7 19 through 20 in genesis it suggests that the water raised above each mountain about 20 feet, 20 feet, 15 cubits. Um, and then the ark also landed roughly 500 miles away from where it was originally built. So this is like, there's a lot of details that we don't know, honestly, right. on how far this flood went. The Bible doesn't give us anything other than the, the words and the scriptures and, and the details that it has, which does mean all earth and all that li- all life and flesh was killed. So one of the main resources we're using to inform um, our our podcast here is is this uh, hard sayings in the Bible book. Yeah, it, it just goes through a bunch of hard sayings, and and what this says is the jury's still out. Right now, we might not know actually how far the flood went. We know the truth of what the flood did and how uh, God used it to to outpour his wrath and also build sort of build up this this new way of then leading to jesus dying on the cross but we don't know and there's some information in the bible we might just have to be like yo god i'm gonna have to ask you in, in heaven right like, i just don't know this i love the um you know in chapter 7 19 through 20 where it says uh the water stopped roughly 20 feet above the tallest mountain like who was out there with a measuring stick <laughs> Seriously, you man? know like uh all right we're 20 feet above we're good now all right you can stop you're stopped like so who was the first person to actually summit everest because Right. right here, we yeah. got a person up there with a measuring stick. Yeah, and then also, like, were people 19 feet tall to where, like, God had to drown them? I don't know. I should be laughing about this. But, like, 20 feet just seemed so specific. Like, who is this 21-foot giant that God's like, I got to get this guy? <laughs> yeah, I think he's, his head stays above water. He can stand there. Yeah, Man. exactly. So, I don't know. But, I mean, if you think Everest is 29,000 feet, I mean, that's a crazy flood that's a ton of water like weight as well on the earth i mean that's just insane amount it's wild um, of water so i mean if that is the case if the lord actually did flood it up 20 feet above (laughs) everest uh, (laughs) so anyway i feel bad for uh also where'd all that water go now right do you think (laughs) there's like a plug in the the bottom of the earth the guy was like all right Drain it. Uh, drain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Seriously, man. Is that all in the sky? Yeah. I don't know. That's like, that's actually a great question. I kind of want to know that. But um, also, so everyone, with the exception of those who were floating on the boat, died. Yeah. So why? I mean, why do this? Man, this is the hardest thing to rationalize. And, and we tried to deal a little bit with it on Sunday. Um, but seriously, like everybody died. 
Mm-hmm. Every single person died. Like the questions that you can ask, how is this a good God? How is this loving? How did God, like, it is not easily t- easy to understand. It's not something that's easy to wrap our mind around. But the beginning answer, the beginning of this entire thing starts with sin. Like sin at its core. We talked a little bit this past Sunday about how how the with God life that we're talking about this with God life, if you track it through scripture, you see different spots and different scenarios where people were unable to be with God or walking without God. And one of the ways that we can look at scripture is seeing, hey, were these people able to walk with God because of what was going on? Right. And this, we are somewhat able to see, hey, maybe they weren't able to walk with God because of the sin and the evil. We know sin at its core, one of the main things it does is it creates this estrangement in our relationship with God. So this evil had created this inability to be with God because of what it was doing. Mm-hmm. And and while that doesn't necessarily help us rationalize what God is doing here in and through this story, we are able to see some three some truths. And there's three of them that we can pull from. The first is the wickedness of man is very great and his heart is full of evil continually. Even after the flood, like the flood didn't take evil out of the world. Like we are still evil. We are still broken. We are still in the the depths of our sin. Yet Jesus has made a way for us. Like Jesus had not come at this point. So Jesus, there was no, hey, someone sacrificed for your sin. It was no like, hey, you, you were the person. Like right. you had to sacrifice for your sin. You had to do these things. Whereas now Jesus came and paid that penalty. And then the second thing we're able to see is God hates sin and his patience has an end and he destroys unrepentant sinners. So like this idea that that evil actually plays and sin actually plays a, a, a part in yeah. the way that God deals with things. Like sin is brokenness. God hates sin. He hates it. He can't be in its presence. Like sin is so powerful. Right. And it has created such a breakage. And and there's there's a reality to the fact that sin creates this inability to be in a relationship with God. And thank goodness for Jesus, because without that, we wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. But sin does have a punish, punishment. Right. And then for those who believers, that punishment has been placed on Jesus. And then the third point we have is yet God does not surrender his purpose in creation to fill the earth with men and women who reflect his glory in their faith and obedience. So one thing that I think is really unique and and important for us to remember is the fact that God didn't give up on humanity. Mm-hmm. He saved Noah and his entire family. He he kept humanity. He kept livestock. He kept the animals going. And then he told them again the same commandment, the same covenant that he told Adam and Eve is is to fill the earth, right? To to grow and multiply. To to have humans to to have children to to be fruitful and and this is one thing that he continues to say and continues to do he almost reiterates it so we see that God almost hit the reset button but kept Noah and used him to then sort of reset it yeah after this and there's there's a lot of different resources that you can use to sort of try to gain some some in- insight um, and and things on this this passage, but there was one there was one uh, article I read that I thought was really profound and it had some 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 beautiful things about the story of Noah and this topic. So John Piper, he's a pastor. He actually retired, I think, a little bit ago. 
Uh, but he says this in one of the articles. He says, and therefore, the New Testament writers see the flood as a foreshadowing of the judgment with fire. Second Peter 3, 5 through 7 is, is where we see that. And the ark as a foreshadowing of the final salvation. First Peter 3, 20 through 21 says that. And then the days of Noah as typical of the last days before the coming of the Son of Man. Matthew 24, 37 mentions that. So we see that the story of Noah is this beautiful picture of a lot of scripture like we see the final judgment that yeah people died here because of evil and sin like the final judgment that we read in revelation and in daniel and all throughout these scriptures and thessalonians that it's it's a big thing yeah it's it's not easy it's hard um and and there's a payment and a punishment for for sin but then we see the ark Mm -hmm. we see this ark that that has this this salvific um, idea, the salvific image to it that it saved. It was like it was the salvation of Noah and his family and all of these animals. And that's a beautiful picture to the final salvation of Jesus Christ and finding salvation in him. Yeah. And then we also see that the days of Noah is a typical of the last days before the coming of the Son of Man. Like, that's a big deal. Like the last days before the coming of the yep. Son of Man, like it's a big deal. And and we see are able to see that like there was evil, it was rampant evil, and and then God deals with it, and that's sort of what we see towards the end. And so we see that God does not surrender his purposes for man. He judges sin, but yet he still shows his love and his care and his grace towards man. So how do I reconcile this in my life? That's a really challenging thing for me. Um, but I honestly have to reconcile it with trusting God, knowing that I am a sinful man, and then leaning into Romans 8.28, or 8, 8, I think it's 8.28, where it says God works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, because I know that God is good. And trusting in him and relying in him and leaning into him, because that is hard at times. That is really hard at times. We saw that in in the messages about Noah this past Sunday. We see right. that in a lot of areas in in Scripture where we see, hey, how do we rationalize this? How do we how do we justify what is actually happening yeah. here? But we see people all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Bible, saying, "I am going to trust you no matter what." Yep. There's this great song by Mercy Me. I don't know if you've heard it. Even if it's this song, it's just like. Even if X happens, even if this happens, I will trust you. I will love you. I will pursue you. And that's a beautiful thing that when we read a hard story that is right at the core of this with God life, we're able to see that like Noah, even if this flood happens, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to worship you. And and we have to trust in his purposes and and that he is good because we then see instead of doing the flood again through the Noahic covenant, he sends Jesus to take all of that Mm -hmm. wrath on himself. Yep. And uh, I know that kind of for me, one of the things that I struggle with is, you know, did the flood actually happen or is this just kind of a tale, you know, in the Bible and stuff. But there's just so much evidence for the flood, Mm. Uh, even secular you know, scientists, they're just like, yep, but like something happened. And you also read in a ton of other religions and mythologies, they pull from a flood. You know, Uh, there's a story in there about a flood, a deity destroying the earth with water um atlantis uh, mm. and then even in um kind of creative writing you always read about it as well tolkien even wrote about it in um 
in like the Silmarillion, he had uh, a flood as well. So really interesting stuff for sure. Uh, I love asking these questions. I think it's uh, really helpful to kind of uh, solidify our faith and just get a little better un uh, understanding of, of what's in the Bible and what we're reading. And this is stuff that we can't always tackle yeah. on a Sunday morning because no. uh, we're trying to do other things. So uh, appreciate you uh, kind of looking into this, Anson, and doing all the research. So uh, we'll see you later. I'll see you, Chris. Thank you for joining Crossway on the With God Pod. Make sure to catch all our content on Sundays and during the week. See you next time.